0: I loved, um, I don't know who watched the rugby last night, but well, I loved how yeah. he said afterwards, he said you know, when they were chatting to us African, he says, we're a nation that faces very, a lot of adversities but we always find a way to make it and I loved it when he said that, because we are a nation, that doesn't matter what thrown our way, you know, we've through the local government elections, we've been through all the chaos, and yet somehow the nation just stays positive, you know so, most of us, in need to go Um, But it's been good, it's been good. I want to share something about you this this morning. I've got got a staff member that's very irritating. I'm not going to mention names. But every time I come up with something, she'll say something like, but what does that look like? You know, what does that look like? Uh, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but. (laughs) So it's been a process because now I've got to be very careful what I'm saying because I know what's coming. So I can't just make a suggestion because I know the next thing is, so what does that look like? And um, this week I'll be really chatting around some stuff and, and thinking to myself because I think there's, there's one word that is happening in the church at the moment, and it's this word of, well, we need to go deeper with God. So what does that look like? <laughs> so what does that look like? Because often we can have these terms, you know, well, you know, we're just going to go deeper with God. Or, you know, when I'm going to just, uh, you know, um, do this or do that. But what does it look like? I want to ask you that question this morning because so often we get so confused when we speak about getting deeper with God. And I believe, I truly believe we're in a season right now in church life where God is calling us deeper. God is calling us to a deeper relationship. God is calling us to a deeper commitment to Him. God is calling us as believers to stand up and be counted You know, God is calling us out from amongst the world right now to be different and to be an example and to be the light to sit in the hill that cannot be done. You know, we are God's hands, his feet, his arms, his legs. This is what God has called us to But often when we speak about the term of going deeper with God, it becomes very confusing for most people because most people see going deeper with God as a religious act. Oh, one amen. Thank you. Who was that? Get that person popcorn for free. <laughs> we see it as a religious act. And, and we've got this mindset that we've been taught for all these years that we need to do more to get to God. Okay, I've got two amens there. I'm going to picture this preach to this side. Please. The aliens are this side. Now, now you can me? hear what I'm saying to you. I'm not negating, you know, Bible reading a prayer. That Please, those things are quintessential stuff in our lives. But you see, I realized something: with what mindset you go into any situation will determine the outcome of that situation. Amen. And say, so we're going to go into the, uh, we want God, we want to go deeper with God with you, and we want to do the religious stuff. Because we think that that's going to keep us deeper with God. So now we're not going to read one verse now. We're going to read 45 verses on a Sunday or on a Monday. And you know, we're not going to pray for an hour. We're going to pray now for eight hours. And I need God to come through my finances. So I'm now going to fast. And so we've got all these religious practices that are good. But if they're done with the right intentions. Amen. You see, the problem with us is, is that often we want to dig deep into the word of God for me and not for me for God to solve my issues. You know a God in need is a God in need You know when, we, when we're facing financial ruins or our marriage going through difficult times, you know, we want to fast But we don't understand that that when we fast in those situations All we're trying to do is manipulate God So we say to God well, I'm gonna stop until you show me that situation. In prison they call it a hunger strike in church life we call it fasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being real, I'm, I'm being real with you. I've heard people fast for the most ridiculous reason, I'm going, I'm going to fast for a car. Good luck <laughs> to you, you are going to stop today. You see, the, the fasting, what fasting is for, fasting is this, is that we commit to spending time in the presence of God without any requirements, simply because we love Him and we give up food that every time there's an anger or every time there's a pain, we go back into His presence instead of eating. That is what fasting is about it's drawing us closer into the presence of God. It's not there as a barter tool. Fasting is not as a barter tool. We can't come to God and say, oh, well, you know, um, if I'm going to do this and you must do this. Or we come, up, well, you know, God, I'm really going to commit now to reading 18 verses a day. But you see, if you don't read the verses of the Bible to get to know God better, there's an issue. Because if you're reading for the sake of impressing God, and yeah, me I've done it. Probably three or four of us have done it in the room. But we, we did the religious thing to, God, wake up five o'clock in the morning. You know, we can hardly see out of our eyes, we've got our mug of coffee, you know, we've got our Bible out there, we've got our study Bible out there. But the thing is, is that I've always got to ask, with what heart are you doing stuff? So? Is it really about Jesus or is it about us? Now we're a selfish people. You know, God even called us a fickle bunch. You know, because you know, most of it, everything that we want to do is about us. And so when I speak about going deep into the things of God, we feel that we need to do more to get to God, but we don't understand that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus already did everything for us that we can enter into the throne of God. So, so if you and I believe that reading uh, you know, 18 books a month on Christianity and the faith and all these fasting things, if we believe that that is going to get us close to God, then we negate. The work that Jesus did on Calvary for us. Because you've got to understand something, that what Jesus did on Calvary is enough for all of us. Is enough for all of us sitting in this room. He has completely resolved the issue of sin and death and the grave for you and I. He has entered and He has broken the very wall that separated God from us, which was sin. So we've opened that door. He's opened that way for us to come into his presence and enjoy who he is. But somewhere along the line, we always believe we need to do and to get. And, and that worries me at times because we do so many crazy things in the name of church. We do some crazy things in the name of God, but none of them is even biblically sound. We just do it because everyone else is doing it. And this week I was challenged because I went all the way back and I read Jesus' first encounter with the disciples, and I'm going to turn to Luke 5. But I'm going to share a little bit of Luke and we all know the story. This is probably one of the best known stories in the Bible. But the Luke 5 happens after this. I'm going to give you a briefing, a little summary and I'm going to read it for you. But Luke 5 basically carries, tells us this, that Jesus was teaching on the mountain. Uh, Jesus was teaching on, must have been on the beach.
1: And the word says
0: that the crowd pressed him, in a sense, to be closer, and close to him. but Jesus, in a sense, was getting more and more close to the sea or to the lake, or whatever it was. And the word of God says that Jesus noticed two boats on the side, we know the story. Two boats, the fishermen had disembarked in their boat, they had caught nothing the whole night, and what had happened, they were busy mending their nets. Now you've got to understand, in those days, those nets were made out of material. It wasn't made out of an island up to date. So they physically had to mend the net every single time they were fishing. It was a net that had little rocks and holes at the bottom and so it would sink to the bottom and there would be corks on the top that would keep the net afloat and it would be between 25 and 35 foot long these nets and sometimes 10 or 20 foot deep and so what they would do is they would fish parallel to the coast and so normally they would take two boats and the one would take one net and they would row across, cross, cross and they would pull the net out and pull the net out until the net was completely out, uh, and then they would move towards the sea or towards the coast, and they'd do the thing. Now, you've got to understand, at that time, you know, this place was known as the, the sardine capital of the world, the pickle capital, in a sense. And so, what the, the disciples after were basically minnows, but basically sardines. That's what they were fishing for. Now, a few years ago, we went to Cape Town, um, and, and we saw that they were stalled by a lot uh, Maybe you guys can tell me. But we actually sat one morning very early and we watched the fishermen in that. I don't know who's been there, but it's a crazy thing because it's a beautiful bay that comes right in the white sand, it's magnificent. Then, right on the top, we only noticed right on the top of the hill, on the corner of the bay, was a lookout. And so this guy would stand up there in the morning. And what would happen is we'd watch all the fishermen, all their boats were on shore, and they were holding like up these logs. All right, and all their nets and everything were packed, they were ready. And this fishing would sit. And they would sit and they would wait until they got a phone call or a signal from the guy on the hill that the sardines have come in. And so the minute, I mean, it's crazy to watch. I wish I could record it, but as that guy gives a signal, the main guy just shouts, first, And when he says that, man, these guys pick up these boats. And I mean, they pick, they love wooden boats, or they not like... No, no, boats. They just of roll out. And immediately these guys pack up as two boats and they just shoot out and the one grabs a net on the one side and the next guy rolls all the way right around to the corner of the bay. And basically they cover the entire bay with this net. And as they cover this bay with this net, what they do is they slowly then start to cut in towards the shore. And on the shore, you'd have people that just bring the net together and start pulling out net. As they're pulling out the net, obviously, there's a gene that are done with. So it's an incredible, incredible way to fish. Now, you've got to understand something that, that, that what the disciples were fishing at the time were probably three to four pound fish. So they were, they were little oakies, they weren't big guys. But that's what they were fishing for. So you would fish for so them in the shadows. So you fish basically a few hundred meters out, you'd come back into shore, you'd go out the whole game. again, back into shore, you know know what I'm talking about. It's an endless, tireless job. So we pick up the story where Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden we find these four guys fishing there. And so I'm gonna just read it um, from verse um, three. So uh, verse 3 says, and he saw two boats standing at the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him to put a little bit from the land. And he sat and taught the multitude from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out or get active. Launch out into the deep and let your nets for a catch." Now let's just let's just stop there quickly. Let's just stop there for a second because who's ever who's watching the chosen? You guys are bad Christians. Though. There's only four of you to watch. You guys need to watch the chosen. You, you know the crazy thing about how they depicted um, Simon in the chosen, It was like this. It wasn't that it was just a story. There was a whole backdrop. And, you know, obviously they did their research in that. But there was a backdrop because what had happened was at the time that Simon or Simon, Peter or Simon, his company, their fishing they owed a lot of money. And they had till the next morning to pay their debt or lose their fishing vessels, their boats. And so the story is that Peter goes out this night and he starts to fish because he knows now he is desperate. There's nothing they can do if they don't catch any fish. Basically, the debt collectors are coming after them and his business is gone. So this is how they depict it in the chosen. So when you when you look at that backdrop, all right, and all of a sudden, yeah, you see, uh, you know, Simon standing on the boat and Jesus. Now, if you watch the chosen, Peter wasn't the, um, wasn't the the easiest guy? He was like a little stroppy guy, like a little, you know, you know, the, the little small man syndrome ninja, you know, popped across pop the. Um, <laughs> it very feisty, you know. But but that's who he was. And so they've been fishing all night. Those of you that know that they've been fishing, us fishermen really don't mind if we spent eight hours and catch cutting Everybody, it's not about the fishing. It's about <laughs> the hair and nature and no life. If we don't catch fish, we come back to Preston. All right, we come back to Preston. We love the fresh air and everything. But, I, but, but there's one thing is that you've got to understand, these cars were exhausted. In the backdrop, you know, Peter was telling you some stuff. All of a sudden it doesn't happen for you. And he comes up, so you've got to understand that when he comes, when Jesus walks up to you, Peter's not like H-A-P-P-Y, well, a problem. you know, he's not like this multi-millionaire that doesn't really need to catch anything. No, no, this guy's destined not just for him, but for all of them around him, for his family. And Jesus looks at him and says to him, Peter, this is what I want you to do, I just want you to push out right into the deep. Push out right into an unusual place. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled, we have worked endlessly, we have broken our backs. We have given absolutely everything. We are finished in a sense, all right? Toil all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, listen to this. Nevertheless, at your word. I want you to underline that thing. Word. I will let down the net. See, what Samuel 15, verse 22? Samuel writes and says, You've got to understand something, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Now listen to me carefully this morning, because I need to get this into your head. Samuel writes and says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, now we will look at, we will look at what happened here, or what had happened with, with, um, with um, Simon now. What had happened with Simon was, is this, that, you know, he had done everything in his own ability, and it didn't work. Who else has been there? Oh, four of us, praise the Lord. Right. <laughs> Look, the guy online was thinking there's only three people in this church. <laughs> no, there's more than three people. I just very tired this morning. <laughs> but he had done everything in his own ability. He had got a fishing at night. He had got extra crew members. He had got an extra boat. He had done everything in his own ability. Now find us as believers. We find ourselves in that situation. You know there's the definition that says, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? Oh, don't you? This is who we are. We do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And and you know what? And God comes through for us. And the next time we get a crisis, we do exactly the same thing because we want a different result. But we don't understand that it's not about our... It's not about our sacrifice. It's not about what you give. It's not about what you do. The word of God says the key to a good and a deeper relationship with God is to be obedient to God's word. Now You've got to understand something. You know, Simon had never met Jesus in a sense. But there was something about Jesus because the word carries on and, is, and so other the artists testing. Master. He's not, hey, you. Now, now, let's think about this quickly. let's just... Let's just think about this for a minute. Let's think about the fact that if you had been fishing all night, you know, and all of a sudden, here comes up to the arrow, you know, he's got his nice suit and he's got on his tie on, we and he walks up to you and he says to you, well, you know, guys, Kurt, you and the guys, I want you guys just to go a little bit further, row out there again and drop the net again. I mean, how many of you guys going to believe a Blue supporter? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> are you serious here? You know, think about it. You know, we, I want you to read the word like it's alive. I don't want you to read the word like it's a story. This is a lie. This thing is alive. I mean this is happening. This is real emotion. These are real people. These are these are fishermen. These are tired guys. This is not people who are Christians jumping around going, "Oh, I'm gonna go fishing, thank you, Jesus. No. This is a big decision. But he said to Jimmy, for first he addressed his says, Master, what do you say? I realize there's some kind of authority on you. And he says to Jesus, at your word. Now you see, the problem with us is this, is that do we get the word of God? Do we get the word of God? You see, because so often, we've got all these rules and regulations and systems and, and things we need to do. But Peter says in one, uh, Simon said one thing, he says, at your word. Father, if you spoke it, if you speak it, it will be. No, no, you'll say amen, no. You'll say no lack of amen. But how many of us have had a word? How many of us have had a word and we haven't acted on it? How many of us have had a word and said, "Good, you don't worry about these stuff. God says, I'm going to build my church I build The I'm going to build it. Bible. And said. Hey, And do you I'm selling hamburgers because I want to build the church. you know what the problem is? Is that one, we don't understand, understand that He's Master. <coughs> Two, we don't get the Word of God into us and understand the Word of God. Thirdly, we haven't got a confidence in Jesus that we're meant to have. And fourthly, that we have not learned to react on the Word and not premonitions. You see, the problem is that we get an idea in our head Remember I said this before, Lord if you really want to get this BMW for 5,000, 10,000 rand a month you know Lord they will approve your finances. <laughs> <laughs> they will approve your finances. You can do 5 rand, they're going to give you half a million in God. But believe me, have you seen the repossession score? They're back. Because yeah. they will approve it. And if they don't approve it, the devil will approve it. Why? Because, you see, we can mix up between what is the word of God said, and the problem is why we can mix it. Because We've, we have run out of patience. We are not patient people. Those that voted this week, I learned patience very quickly. <laughs> Alright, whatever we do, we've learned patience, or we need to learn patience with the word of God. But I want, to, I want you to grab a hold of what I'm saying to you this morning, because I am desperately going to keep with God. But listen to this, schedule, let's get on, it, because I'm going to keep it, it as this. And some answer said, master, I will, we have toiled all night, we've done everything in our own ability, but we've got nothing. Nothing has been fixed, we tried our own way, we tried the bank, we tried everybody, nothing has happened. But I will let down at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, and some, some interpretations say, Jesus said, you cast your neck on the other side, in the sense of, do it opposite to way way that you normally do it. And Peter turns around and he says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their neck was breaking the neck was bursting. Now, now, sometimes God asks us to do unusual things. Sometimes God often asks us to do things outside of our comfort zone. And this is really what, what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is about, one, understanding your God, two, understanding what Jesus did on Calvary, and three, impact your word, Father. We will do this. That's what discipleship is about. It's about obedience. It's about knowing your God and knowing the word of God in your life. But the craziest thing is this, that I that I thought about this, is that Peter, believe it or not, wasn't a Christian. Oh. Because most of us believe that God only blesses Christians. And I'm right. You know, you know, you know, you know, I'm a believer, God's gonna bless me. You know that name and claim thing? guys running around touching BMWs are playing in the name of Jesus you know playing hands on my house and playing get away we've got this mentality we've got the stuff that we do now Peter wasn't this fantastic guy he was a fisherman he must have been a ruffian you know he worked hard his hands must have been calloused you know he wasn't the cleanest of guys I mean the word actually one word actually says that Peter had to be dressed and then approached Jesus so I mean they must have been and when you think about this and you think to yourself, somehow Peter found, or Simon found favor with God no matter who he was. It didn't matter that he was a sinner. It doesn't matter that he messed up. It didn't matter that God was going to do something incredible in his life. You see, the thing is this, what I want to say to you is this. We often search for God, and yet God finds us at our place with him. Now, the secret to God finding us at our place of need, and when I speak about Him coming to us, is that He'll find us at our place of need where we understand what total surrender looks like. Yes. Now, with total surrender, I want to say this to you, that God, that no matter what happens, I believe it's you will for me, and I submit to it. Yes. How easy is that? Especially for the woman, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it, how easy is not that easy? Come on, let's be honest. It's not that easy. It's not that easy just to say that, you know, oh, well, God, thank you, you've got this. And I'm just going to continue to praise you. And we know it works. You know, God never comes through right now. You know, he was got that 1159.59 kind of God. You know, he's like, he comes, but you know what? It's not about he comes through in the last. He comes through always in the perfect moment. Listen to me. Listen to me. You might have been praying to suffer so long, But in that perfect moment, God is going to meet you at your place of need. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter if you're a carpenter or a fisherman or a car salesman. No, it doesn't matter if you're a car salesman. Um, <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. What matters is this, that God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. That whoever calls on his name will be saved. You see, it's about the entire world that God wants to reach. It's about everybody. And this is where we come in. Because this is where God desires. God needs us to step it up. He said, okay, this came on. He says, so they, they signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they come and fall both the boats. So they began to sink. They began to sink. It carries on, and it says this, alright, um, when Simon Peter saw him, he fell at the feet of Jesus on his knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Come on, guys, who's done that? Hey? Who's done that? Who has lost their value in this church?
1: Who has lost their
0: self-worth in this church? You see, we like to see, we think Jesus sees us the way we see us. No, no, no. God doesn't see you the way you see you. God sees you the way he sees Jesus. And Simon comes and God blesses him, or Jesus blesses him, exceedingly abundantly more than he can ever imagine. And what is Simon going to do? No, Lord, don't come near me. Don't bless me anymore. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner. I'm a horrible man we do this we negate the blessings of god because we don't understand who we are in christ jesus and we don't know who we are in christ jesus because we don't know the word of god and if we don't know the word of god we're not going to understand what jesus did for us You see, said a very simple thing he says master at your word what is the word that has been spoken of your life how many promises have you had? When I was 13 years old, I sat in Pentecostal Holiness Church with yeah. the harvest now. 13 years old. And I'm going to tell the story i told before and it clear you again. But one Friday night, one Sunday night, actually, we had an altar call on At the age of 13, I thought okay, You know what? This is it. You know, I need to sort my life out, blah, blah, blah. And I did answer the call. i never forget it. We were still in that little chapel on the side of the stage, just right there, where the kitchen is. And I walked to the front and was standing to the left of the stage. And my youth leaders at the time, Jules and Michelle, um, they came up, I don't know where they were in the world, but they came up to me and they just started speaking to me, started like prophesying. They say, Kurt, you know, we believe God has called you to full-time ministry. I'm 13 years old. 13. God has called you to full-time ministry in the favour of God upon your life. You know, you're going to go into ministry and God's going to do great stuff through you through the nations and you know you're going to travel and you're going to see the world and you're going to preach in all the nations. I carried that thought. From age of thirteen till age of twenty-eight. Fifteen years. Fifteen years I didn't even think about the prophetic word. I thought it was just gonna be something impossible. Thought that would never happen. But you know what? In the back of your mind, when when God speaks a word, you never forget it. Yeah. God will remind you, the Holy Spirit will bring it to remembrance in your life the whole time. And, and even when I was going through my, my bad days, you know my busy days and I was here. There was always that inclination that God's going to call you into life good. And I think, honestly, thinking about it now, I think I knew it was coming, but I think I was like Simon Peter Oh Lord, I'm a sinner. Depart from me. Because at that stage, I didn't think I was worthy. But also, I found myself doing stuff that made me not worthy. Yeah. It's almost like this little rebellious thing like, you know, if somebody said, Read your Bible, no. <laughs> pray for five minutes. No, I'm going to pray for two. You know? If somebody wants to you, you up like this. If you're going to push me over, body? I'm going to knock you. No, no. Come on, God, if this is you, be real. I was. I was in that rebellious thing, But I wasn't in a rebellious thing. I think I was just running away from the calling of God upon my life. Only when I came into total submission. Only when I committed my life to God and said, God, you know what? Whatever you need to do, you need to do. And it was, oh, great, and we got involved in church life, and we lost our daughter, and we got involved in church life, and, you know, it wasn't long when I was in an the eldership, and I was running the youth, and we were really excited, and, and next time I get this offer, and, you know, go full-time like ministry from the church, I'm like, yes, is it, and, you know, go to the, you know, go to the, um, the, the police force at the time when I was there, and I'm for this package, and guess what? Nothing happens. I think, Lord, well, I don't understand, now I'm ready, now, now I'm now committed, I'm the youth leader, I'm on the eldership, I'm joining the worship team, I'm like, this is me, I'm getting it all, why are we wise? Almost two years later, everything changes in the day. I get a call from the police, I get a severance package, I find a church building, all in the matter of two, three days. The greatest part was that I started this church without a salary. I got absorbed. Sometimes you need to push deep. Those of you that were in the police force, you guys know. You know, we had danger pay, medical allowance, clothing allowance, mm-hmm. you know. We weren't bad salaries. I was waiting for promotion to captain. Wasn't a bad space I was in. Really not a bad space. We were in a good got myself comfortable. But we really, knew there was more. And all of a sudden, one day you get that from God and you just push deeper. But God, that's not how we do it. This is, this is not how we do church life. You i go into to the ministry, you know, and then I work one day a week, you know, and they pay me this big salary, and I get a car and a house. That's thinking. And God says, no, you can go to church. I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> push deep. Okay, God, I'm deep. Okay, now, no, 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 wait a minute, Lord. No, this is not how it is. done. no. no. This is how we fish. And only when I came in to that total submission to God I said, God, you know what I mean? I went and spoke to my mom and my dad, and my mom and dad freaked. You know, in those days I mean cars that were in 30s and 40s my age now. No there was only a couple of places we worked at Harry when we left uh, we left the, the, the um, school. It was out the railway, the post office, the municipality, the police or the army. You know, that, we only have 5 choices. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, nobody wanted to throw a spanner, be a mechanic or electrician. I mean, we wanted those jobs, you know what I mean? We wanted nice, comfortable jobs. And so, of course, my mom and I had into the police force, i did well, and things are great. And then all of a sudden i woke walk up the one day and say, well, guess what, I'm getting the police force. Well, you go to nothing, it's not a church. And you're saying, now. we're you nothing. <laughs> Housing allowance, no. Call allowance, no. Housing allowance, no. Don't you pay, baby. <laughs> So Dad looked at me, Our income went from at that stage it was probably together about 15,000 rand to 4,000 rand. My bond repayment was 900 rand, so that's how I started I understand what it costs to push our TV. It sometimes will cost you everything, but at the end of the day it will cost you nothing. Let me tell you something, 21 years down the road, yes we've got our We've had our ups and our downs. But there's not one day I can make a couple of days <laughs> that I question what I do. Because I love what I do. 21 years, you know something? I have always had food on the table. Even if it was potatoes, it was food. My balls have always been paid. My cars have always been broken. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a just pasta thing. I, do, I see all these pasta, the Cars have always broken. I know what it is. God, <laughs> But you know something? It's not about me. I had to learn that. It's not about me. It's not about Kurt Sutter becoming a pastor, building a church. When I got to that place to realize, God, this is for you. It's about you. And Master, at your word, I will drop my net. I really believe that there is a prophetic word for a lot of you today. A lot of you have been dreaming some stuff, dreaming businesses, dreaming your own thing, dreaming maybe ministry, dreaming ownership. I don't know. But we just haven't allowed ourselves to get out of the gate, to keep going. You see, Peter followed Jesus' feet, in this, and he said, all who were with him were astonished at the catch, the fish that he had taken. And also, they were with James and John and sons of Zebedee, and the partners of Simon. And, Simon, and Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid, for now you will catch men. Favorite part in the Bible, little piece, one of my favorite scriptures. It says this: So when they had brought the boat to land, they pursued all and followed him. Imagine battling to get a contact for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, one day, you get this 10 million rand contract that will set you up for life. And in that very moment, God says, you don't touch that, because what I've got for you far exceeds that. How many of us are able? You see, what does it look like when I say, go in people with God? One, get to know your God. And you're only going to get to know your God, when you get to know this. And when you get to know this, you find yourself in a space that no matter what happens, I am fully persuaded and convinced that God is in control. Are we facing Christ? Absolutely. We've locked out five and eight-year days. You know, the church was closed off for that time. Income dropped by 60%. Craziness, craziness, and, and for me, my entire life, and I tell done there's a lot of you, but I believe with every father of my being that I can fix anything. Yeah. Um, I'm like most men. We put these together with manual. It's <laughs> actually a sin to take it out of the plastic bag. <laughs> it's like you're a weakling if you take that bag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But we believe we can do anything, and we believe we can fix anything. I'm that nature, And Voter, you know you know, you, know, you know, you know, there's not a choice of, can you do this? Do it. Do it. But I've had to come to a place and realize in realizing my life that I'm not the Alpha and the Omega. I'm not the guy that can change things. He's the guy that can change things. You know, I spent most of my life worrying day in and day out. But most of my life, fishing in the shallows, fishing in the shallows, calling those nets out, not getting any fish, being despondent. Oh God, where are you? Why don't you hear me? Where is why is this happening to me? Why am I kids behaving this way? What's happening with our business? You know, and then we just go out tomorrow night, and we throw it back in the shallows again and we drag it along, you know, and nothing tomorrow again. Well oh God, what is going on in your life? I'm gonna say to you, if you wanna be deep with God. The best place that you need to find, the, the thing that you need to find to go deeper with God is the peace of God that's supposed to understanding, that will flood your heart, your mind and your soul. I promise you, just listen to me. When you find God's peace, no matter what you face, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know why it's going to be okay? Because it's His control. The word actually says, cast your burdens unto Jesus, because He cares. How many of us need to cast? And how many of us have been holding on for quite a while? You see, there's one thing that I've learned that when I started bass fishing, um, you know, we always used to fish those little coffee grounds that girls use. Um, so, <laughs> when we, so when we started catching, you know what I mean? So when you started fishing with bait costs, we you know what a bait cast is, little, a little, Keith probably said, we're going to get off this in our hands bait casting. That's a little kick reel, and you flick it. But there's one thing about a bait cost, if you do not, if you flick it too hard, there's this thing called the crow's nest, that, who knows what I'm talking no. about, you know? It takes you about an hour and 45 minutes just to untangle this thing. And you know, this is most of us, we're always trying to throw it too hard. And when we try to throw it too hard, it just ends up in this mess. And it takes us days and weeks to try and untangle this thing. Instead of just breathing, relaxing, and just quickly, just cast him to Jesus and allow him to do what needs to be done. He loves you guys so much. He loves you guys so much. You know the way he sang that song this morning? Where would I be without you And when he sang it this morning last week, I was emotional this week when he sang it. I really listened to the words and I was like, ah, son. sure, this is almost like the story of every one of our lives here. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of us could relate to that song. Where would we be? without him. You want to go deeper with God? Get to know him. Spend time with him. Spend time in his presence. But most of all this, by your word, master, I will drop my net. What is the word of God for you in the season? What is the word of God for you in this season? What is it that you trust in God for? What is the promise that God has spoken of your life? Yes, it might be 5, it might be 10, it might be 20 years, it might be too much, we don't know. I had a friend once, that I gave of some business advice, he didn't really listen, um, but I said to him, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I remember telling somebody that. Um, <laughs> and it was a word, it was a word that we gave many years ago. And what happened is, they have to, they have to start to diversify. You know, you can't just sell You know, chicken your whole life. Sometimes you need to sell a chicken wing and a leg separately. <laughs> but for all of us, I'm saying this to you, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with what He's done for you, and the plans He has for you, the purposes He has for you, and the blessings He has for you, the promises He has for you. Let me tell you something, if you're going to fight against the will of God, you are just not gonna enjoy the presence of God. So this morning we're gonna take your in. And Andrew, can you tell us a little take a communion? I don't want you, you to stand but just you can you just you or do I just come and play?